they do look reasonable except for when i'm tapping the microphone <laughs> well don't do that that's gonna be a problem because we're gonna need you to constantly is, is tap the wrong? microphone okay. during <laughs> like a big part of the show <laughs> this is an asmr thing right yeah i need you to like eat some pudding while we're doing this okay well i had tacos a moment ago so maybe some popcorn on yeah i don't know what what the go-to really is but celery it's a nice crunch oh yeah celery's celery is probably good I don't remember if I told Collins a story when we were Cuban, but I need to tell you my story about my intentional drossies here. Okay. Oh, yes, please do. Yep, let's hear it. Sorry, unintentional draw. Oh, okay. Because I, I, like... I don't get a lot of unintentional draws. So I played the Slugart deck. I'm telling a story in reverse. Okay. <laughs> at the, at yeah, the I know the ending now. And I'm playing in my top eight match. Untimed rounds. And we're like sideboarding, and I make some wisecrack about the the deck's full potential really being in these untimed rounds. Chris is sitting there watching the games, of course, and comes back with, uh, I mean, yeah, that you can barely finish a match in the the normal Swiss. And I indignantly say that <laughs> I finished all my matches. Come on, like you just concede early <laughs> if you're gonna lose. And he said, "No, you you have draw." I'm like, no, I, what? It turns <laughs> out <laughs> in my round four, I was assigned a draw that did oh. not occur. Just like by putting in the wrong match result? Yeah, and I didn't check it. I, I basically, basically went to time and I won 2-0, so it wasn't even close to being a draw. They had like match slips and companion at this tournament. So I did the match slip thing and turned it in. But it was entered as a draw instead of my win. And I didn't realize it because I just didn't, you know, why would I check? That would be too smart. So then I play against Wit in the next round. And we have to decide a winner because our, our games took too long. Mm. And my tiebreakers were better than his. And I was initially confused because our records were the same and I knew Wit had a draw. But even then, it didn't click that I was assigned a draw because it's just <laughs> never happened to me. <laughs> interesting i'm just like huh that's so weird that our record he's never had a draw in his life what do you mean he's got a draw (laughs) and i'm like oh that's huh i don't have more points than wit that yeah i guess huh we'll just do whoever has the most the better tiebreakers (laughs) wow and it ended up being me still and i got into top eight and didn't realize that i had been assigned this draw until like midway through top eight and it's just nothing like this has quite ever happened before to me. <laughs> it's so bizarre. And like, I'm not trying to blame the judge staff or anything because I could have caught it too. It's just like so weird. Yeah, no, that is a strange one. I don't know. My first unintentional draw in quite a while happened in the most unintentional manner. <laughs> yeah. See, now you're no longer going to be able to point to your record anymore. You've, you've got a blemish, but it wasn't your fault. I finished that match. Yeah, I'm not sure that that counts. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 329 of the MTG Grindcast, the spikiest podcast in all of Central North Carolina. We are your hosts. I'm Chris Castor-Apple. With me is Lee McLeod. Classic edition episode because we've got Collins <laughs> here as well. Hey, Collins. 
Hello. It's me. I'm back. Hi, Collins. Hi, Collins. Yeah. It's good to be here. Yeah. It's it's really good to have you. I, I'm very excited. You know, it's it's always nice to have the gang back together. We use the fact that the modern RC is coming up and you're qualified for that as an excuse to get you on. I don't know how... <laughs> serious of a here is what you must be doing in modern episode this is going to be because i have it on good authority that you are registering lutri for this tournament i'm pretty much locked in at this point for registering lutri i've just been having too much fun with it so (laughs) that's kind of the enjoyment that i've been getting out of magic lately doing what feels right and lutri feels right right now so i don't even mind that because i've been part of too many conversations of people like practicing rhinos or whatever and being like god i hate playing this this is so miserable (laughs) it's even it it is really an experience playing a modern deck that has like 20 plus three mana spells in it it's something (laughs) (laughs) so my other pick that i had you know told myself that i was going to lock in on several weeks ago was amulet which i do still think is a pretty solid choice for this tournament I think that the deck is just not quite as powerful as I thought it was a couple weeks ago. I definitely went through this phase of like believing that it was just like the busted deck of the format. And if you could play optimally, then, you know, like, you know, you're just going to have such a huge edge on the field. But after playing for a while, I think that it's just kind of on par with the other broken modern decks right now. I wasn't like super thrilled with like its positioning. There's some matchups that are really, really rough. And Rhinos is everywhere. Rhinos is just everywhere. And I wouldn't even say that that's the toughest matchup. You, I think that with a couple of good plans, you can you can be close to even favored against Rhinos. But Right. There's still a subtlety, like Tishana's Tidebinder Blood Moon deck at the end of the day. Yes, and Force of Vigor. They just have every painful card. I, I don't know how much of this is what you were feeling and how much of it is just like the deck is not quite as busted as, as you want it to be. But it's also like amulet is usually not one of the main decks in the metagame. And now that it is one of the main decks in the metagame, like people just have Magus of the moon in their sideboard, which is like a, I'm not just trying to hate non-basic lands. I'm trying to hate non-basic lands out of amulet, which struggles to kill creatures specifically. And so then we see like, the fire spouts and storms wraths in the amulet sideboards <laughs> to try to address that, which feels like we're we're going pretty deep <laughs> on this one issue now. Yeah, well, you know, it's so funny to kind of watch that unfold um, over the past week because it feels like all of the amulet players, like kind of the hive mind, all had the same thought at the same time of like, we're just really losing to Magus of the Moon. Like, you know, <laughs> this card is everywhere and we it's it's really hard to be ready for it, you know, and like previously the only way to have like have that figured out was just to play like four dismembers in your deck or something. And that's tough to do. Your your Rakdos matchup gets pretty good, but you know, you have all these dismembers that you have to bring against Murktide, and they're beating you down and it doesn't kill the Murktide, and then you die. Um so yeah, I, I do think it was funny how, you know, everybody was like, we need to figure something else out. And uh, then Canister posted that or, you know, streamed or whatever the the all red sideboard. And I think people have come down a little bit from that. Like Canister's build was very like all of my sideboard cards are red. And you can do that because you have Jinra Scent and Stomping Ground, which is true. You know, you, you've got a lot of red sources. 
but the lists that I've been seeing more recently have just been like, yeah, maybe two fire spouts, maybe two uh, storms wraths, and then they call it a day. Yeah, which isn't like a bad plan, but it is one of those things that you have to weigh. And like once you're putting cards like that in your sideboard for specific hate cards that are really good against you, then the question has to be like, is this worth it or should I be doing something different if if I'm going through this much pain to to register this deck? And it, it could easily be like the the problem with modern right now. I, I think it's like kind of uninspiring for a lot of people. And there's just it feels like there's not really that many reasonable decks that you can pick to to take to a tournament right now. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would say that there's about like five, mm-hmm. five reasonable choices, maybe three. There could be an argument for three personal <laughs> choices. Um, but yeah, it definitely thing, feels like things have kind of narrowed down to Yogmoth, Amulet, and Rhinos. Yeah, those at least kind of define everything right now, especially after Scam kind of had a rough weekend in Ghent. We have seen some developments like in very recent days death shadow just began existing again kind of well spontaneous generation <laughs> maybe i don't know it, it was in you know a couple copies in the top eight of the paper scg modern event won the sunday yeah. challenge uh i, I don't know I was, so okay, shadow. so my read on that is that Harlan Fearer and his friend were just better than everybody else that day, and That's they had played a deck that they liked. Pretty. So reasonable. I don't know how much stock, I don't know how much stock that put into Death Shadow being good, as opposed to just Harlan as a, a master. So. Yeah, and I mean it won a challenge too, but Zenowan is also very good, so it's not like that mm-hmm. surprising that they would pick up a deck and do fine with it. I mean, Harlan's deck is sweet, though. It's the, like, Inti build. A, a very aggressive version with, like, four Stalactite Stalkers and Inti's and, and uh, Street Wraiths. I, I think it's pretty cool. Yeah, no, that's fair. For sure. And I'll be honest, I haven't really taken a close look at all the different Shadow decks. The the one Xeno on one with is pretty much Demir Scam, basically. With uh, Oh, yeah. I did see that one. I like that shadows. list. Yeah, that list is perfectly fine. I don't love it because it kind of just feels like a medium powered mid-range deck yeah yeah that one's actually almost mono black scam it really only has preordain in the main deck as like actual blue cards hey and merc tide there's a merc tide there's one merc tide one brazen borrower one tishana's tide but you know these are just like yeah we should there. really cut the tishana's tide finder <laughs> yeah, the, the main deck tishana's tide finder <laughs> oh man everybody loves that card i don't understand Far and away, the most popular answer to my what should my 60th card be tweet, like maybe a third of everyone wanted me to play Tishana's Tidebinder. But I'm sorry to disappoint everyone. I'm I'm not going to do that. I was on team put a surveil land or a second surveil land in your deck. Well, actually, you would be a winner there because I I put two in my deck in my most recent iteration. Yeah, we oh we've been brewing. We've we've I've got some spicy cards to talk about. Yeah, let's talk about Lutri in one second. I think we should take a, a minute and just talk about the surveil lands generally because I think yes, the true. the consensus has started to coalesce around it, and I think that people are trying to like figure out how just how many surveil lands they're allowed to run in any given deck right now is kind of where we're at. Yeah, 
Um, I don't. I I don't have a high confidence on my opinion for these. Sure. But I I just have a feeling that they're gonna be really good, and that every deck that plays pile of fetch lands is gonna want to play a couple. Yep. Um, yep. I think that they're very clearly busted in rhinos, because rhinos is often in the early turns, not doing a bunch. Yeah. Right. Um. And but you know and but just like beyond turn one and turn two, like turn four, you know, three drop plus surveil right. is just really strong. Like when you're when your curve is fixed at three, <laughs> yes, you, you like yeah, you you've got some some room for some tap lands, and if they are spells as well, then uh, yeah, no, it's it's gonna be really good. Right, and especially in rhinos too. We're like yes, fitting them into your curve is like very easy in rhinos, but also the gaps in games that rhinos plays where it draws one cascader versus two cascaders versus three cascade you know that you have cards in your deck that are far more powerful than the rest of the cards in your deck so every surveil you can fit in there is really helpful yeah no for sure and then yeah i think that the other conversation has been like around like murktide style decks playing a couple and the point that i really like there is that murktide plays a bunch of situational spells you know, like you're holding up counter spells, you're holding up spell peers, you're holding up turn scolding. Sometimes your opponent doesn't play into it. Yeah. So what are you going to do with that mana? You know, you don't always have an opt, but you often always have a fetch land. So if you can like pass with just a single fetch land up with, you know, whatever it is, stern scolding, spell pierce, and they play something else, you can just uh, get a little surveil going and you feel like you've still done something with your mana. I think that the upside is 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 very strong and having a couple tap lands in your deck isn't isn't the worst. And that's the philosophy that I've taken with with the deck that I'm brewing right now, which is Lutri, which is the king of holding up situational cards and <laughs> hoping that your opponent plays something that that works. Uh, so I'm I'm pretty excited for that play pattern to come up a couple times of like, you know, yeah, hold up my stern scolding because it's my one man interaction. They play something else and I'm like, OK, well. I will then surveil. Yeah, I think that there's a there's an odd kind of tension to the surveil lands where like if you whenever you fetch, if you don't have a use for that mana that turn, like you will just get a surveil land because it's better than not getting the surveil land. But the later in the game it is, the more valuable the surveil is, like the fewer hand resources you have left the more you want to you know put a put a land on the bottom if or put a land in your graveyard if you see it or whatever uh so you kind of you know there's this tension where you want this bigger supply of surveil lands and and maybe sometimes it's actually not right to get the surveil land early because you you know that it will be valuable later i don't actually know how those play patterns will will happen but they do mean that having a second surveil land can be really valuable so that you can keep getting it the cost is just like how often am i drawing this tapped land um and even in like living end like i'm very excited to put one or two surveil lands in the deck i really like the idea of being able to land cycle for a surveil land and you know play that and kind of assemble this like sort of waker of waves ish turn out of a, a land cycler when you're at the point of the game where you're like, I got to draw a Cascader and you have a fetch land or two that you haven't cracked. And now you're just like, yeah, let me, let me look for it. It's like really nice. 
no yeah it sounds insane in um living in because yeah. you, you hit a creature it, boom it's in the graveyard <laughs> easy yeah and and like your deck isn't 50 percent cyclers but your deck is like 50 percent creatures because there's like grief and subtlety in there too so a lot of times if you just draw it and you have to play it as your land for the turn you have a 50 percent shot of just putting a creature in your graveyard and it's very similar to having cycles so i i, I think it's just i think these lands are really important and going to be a big deal in the format overall i, I i'm there as well with that you know and you have to you have to make the judgment call based on the deck you're playing not every deck is going to want them but uh there's there's certainly going to be a couple that they're going to be excellent in. yep i agree yeah. so you know small developments in the format over the past like week or so uh living end and creativity both picked up quite a bit on magic online kind of just positioning based things where creativity is pretty good against several of the the main decks in the format i i still am like never really truly a believer in creativity uh living end has picked up i think that makes sense especially with the the patch of just put a bunch of bone crusher giants in your sideboard for grief it's the closest that or for scam uh it's the closest thing we have to fury so that's that's what you do you play a bunch of bone crusher giants and just kind of hope for the best and then you're reasonably well positioned against everything else <laughs> Uh, and then there's like a bunch of seismic assault life from the loam decks that are trying to beat up on Yogmoth in particular, have reasonable game against rhinos, and probably not that great against amulet. Uh, the they haven't really been super impressive to me. Can I talk about the life from the loam decks or the seismic assault decks? I think this is less <laughs> of a metagame call than a god I'm bored with modern for the last two months call because this is actually something new and people will play it and it's not terrible like it you're playing still good cards and you have like a synergy that's reasonable right like it it's top eight several challenges it's a reasonable thing to do in the format but it's not mm -hmm. really positioned to win like it's not positioned to be a top deck or anything it's just solid cards and it's different so people are going to play it <laughs> and i think that's good enough like for yeah modern leagues and modern challenges like it doesn't really need to be a metagame call that yeah. per se yeah well you know i think that people are looking for something else and uh I, I it sounds like a lot of people have done like some soul searching in modern they're like i want to play anything other than these three decks so i'm just waiting for like the tier two deck that really gets me and you know some people like to discard lands and deal two damage it reminds me of uh, in Ghent, right? The there was a underworld yeah. breach player that went really deep into the tournament. I think they did really well. There was somebody top and it. It's not a combo. Somebody somebody What's top up? aided with breach. I think. Yeah, there is one in the top eight. Yeah, but it was a it was not a combo breach deck. It wasn't like grinding station. It was just fair breach, and that deck is medium like it's never setting the world on fire every time you see it in challenges it's like okay this plays some good cards and underworld breach is really strong <laughs> so it's gonna get it's gonna pick up some games but it's not like setting the world on fire like and yet that that deck got a lot of press because thank god it was something <laughs> other than rhinos amulet or yeah you know yagmoth it, it also hit that nostalgia factor for a lot of people i think people are just looking to see a deck that they haven't seen in a while and uh you know 
even though Breach is not that long ago relevant, uh, it's still, you know, something from from like a year or so ago. So people are like, oh, yeah, this is awesome. <laughs> we have something to root for. I mean, you wouldn't know anything about finding a tier two deck in the format and trying to make that work. So, well, what tier is Lutri? Tier, it's Lutri tier. <laughs> Singleton tier. Tier zero? I'm in for that. <laughs> One of a kind. <laughs> Yay, Lee! All right, tell us, tell tell us about your Lucha. Are you gonna Are days. you gonna unleash me now? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we can just get there on on <laughs> I guess yes. I don't. Well, okay. So I I do have one note of like new cards to look out for this weekend. I struggle to find much relevant beyond the surveil lands, which will have lasting impact for forever or whatever. I like the Traverse the Ulvenwald, but I, the Collect the Evidence number of 8 seems really difficult. Even if you, like, a Land Cycler only puts 6 CMC into your graveyard, like, a Solitude only puts 5. And while, like, 4 Color seems like the deck that would be most interested in it, it's, I think, 8 is just a tough number to get to. So I don't know if we're going to see too much of that in the immediate future. Mm-hmm. And, I, yeah, I don't have a ton of new cards that I'm, like, really looking out for in... Yeah, I have the tournaments a couple. Um, okay. One of which is pick your poison. Sure. Yeah. You know, it's not an exciting card, but it's probably belongs in a lot of sideboards. Yeah. Um, in modern. I think that it just does something really excellent. It's good against Saga. It's good against Ring. It's good against a bunch of stuff. So I think yep. that you'll be probably seeing pick your poisons show up. Uh, it's probably also going to be one of those cards that the vendors aren't going to bring enough cards copies of. So, uh, <laughs> you know, if you're going to Denver, you should probably yeah. bring some before then. And then the other card that looked interesting to me, and I was thinking about it like earlier, and then I saw uh, Spike was streaming with it a little bit today. I don't remember the name of this card, but it's the black green enchantment that whenever a creature leaves your graveyard, you insidious. Roots. Yes, insidious roots. I think that one might be interesting. I have a couple more to point out. Sure. Because I I think the, the pollen card is is pretty bad. Probably shouldn't see any play. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't think it gets. I think eight is just too much. Wait. wait. Uh, I've, the pollen card? That's up? the one that Chris was talking about? The the one the two I wanted to talk about were Case of the Crimson Pulse. I've seen people try to put this in scam sideboards to like the grindy games, mm-hmm. right? They run out of their hand a lot. And then can't do anything. And they honestly kind of need to draw two cards a turn to keep up in games that go long and they're not winning. So that that could be interesting. I haven't seen a lot of adoption of that yet, but I have seen people try it. I I so I have been playing a little bit of standard today. I tried it in mono red, and like the card is really powerful. So I I can see it in other formats too. And I would not be surprised if it makes sense as part of a scam sideboard. I, I think it's it's got a lot going for it. And the other card is Cryptic Coat, which is a card I really like the look of. (laughs) It's not well set up for modern right now. I know Spike was playing it a little bit today in like a Stoneforge shell. Uh, It's really good there because you can always bounce the Cryptic Coat and just keep making tutus, Uh, especially with Stoneforge. It's a little efficient. Mm -hmm. I think the card is, is maybe not a player in modern at its current rate. Mm -hmm. But if the format ever devolves into something you can do with a Stoneforge pile, I, I kind of like Cryptic Code a lot for that. Sure. Yeah. It does some fun and stuff. And it's not like married to Stoneforge, 
you can the card works without Stormforge Mystic. It's just you really want to play this card with Stormforge yeah, Mystic. Yeah, I struggle to see playing this in modern <laughs> in a non-Stoneforge deck. Are there any like But it's not like the Cauldra Stoneforge thing right. where if you you play a Stoneforge, you get the Cauldra and then if your Stoneforge dies, you've like you didn't get anything off of Stoneforge. If you get Cryptico, you can just play it and make a 3-2 unblockable yeah. instead of just having a card rot in your hand. And if you don't draw the Stoneforge, you can play it as a normal card. Like that's yeah, I mean, I think this is a way better option for, oh, I think they're going to kill my Stoneforge. I guess I'll get some, a sort of X and X. Right. Like, this is way better than that. Are there any are there any ways of like flickering equipments or artifacts that are good? Guardian mm. of Giraper is medium. It's the first one that came to mind. It's a three mana, three, three flyer that flickers an artifact. Why do you want to flicker an artifact specifically? For a cryptic coat. Because... Well, you get, another, you get some more bodies. Get another 2-2. Oh, sure. I mean, I don't know. I'm just I'm just brainstorming. It's the 3-3 the three, three flicker wisp. Yeah, it only gets artifacts or creatures you control. Gotcha. Okay. But yeah. Yeah, I I think that there are some sets where like the lands are the impact of the set, and I think that this is one of those sets. For for modern, yeah. at least. Probably one of the reasons that they just put all 10 in this set and we're like we'll just get them all out yeah of the way we're not gonna make you wait for people waiting for them <laughs> the other half um i will say that the card that made the closest call to coming into my lucha deck that wasn't the uh surveillance was lazav have we talked about we haven't talked about lazav yet have we no there's no you can't yeah really okay okay right. now okay. here's my story is that one of the biggest overperformers for me in this loser deck has been uh, Zvilun. I'm going to hope that that's how you pronounce that. Sure. Zvilun has a bunch of flavor text on it, but the main text is that you attack and you draw a card. And Lazav is like kind of close to that. You attack and you get a clue. And if your opponent's trying to like fill up their graveyard, it can do some other shenanigans there. And it also has some flavor text on it. Like I'm not trying to turn Lazav into anything, but... One of the things I was really looking for for this deck was cheapish creatures that kind of like snowballed some value. So mm -hmm. it was a consideration. But it no, it, it's, it's not going to make the cut, unfortunately. You know, it, it's it's in that like I get fatal pushed, I get lightning bolted like space of two drops that is really tough to get going in modern. To to get into Lutri if we're ready. Yep, I'm ready. I know this is what all the listeners really came for. So uh, <laughs> here we go. Well, We'll make it the like episode picture and stuff so everyone knows what they're getting into. Excellent. Okay, good, good. Do you prefer the original Lutri art or the uh, the March of the Machines fancy Lutri? Original Lutri. It's grabbed my heart, for sure. <laughs> I will say that I think that Andrea Mangucci is to blame for, for, for my derailing of my Denver tournament. Then I'm just going to go ahead and already call with his tweet that says, uh, you just play what you like. And that just kind of like it got me to play a league and in order to play a league you have to like update the deck and build the deck in in kind of a new way that is adapted to what modern is right now and for a long time i was on jeskai lutri so i was playing all these jeskai cards uh and it was like pretty much just jeskai control um is what it ended up evolving into and it was good you know i got to play like big teferi and little teferi and do teferi stuff but i figured that the white cards just weren't really gonna cut it for this modern format i think it's just a little too fast and 
beating Yawgmoth with a control deck is just impossible. So I started brainstorming some other colors, and I was like, maybe green, maybe we can play Tarmogoyf and Renin Six and some stuff, and that might be fine. But there's just it's just not deep enough. Um, so I ended up settling on on black as the additional color. You're always going to be blue red, I feel like with Lutri. You you could just play one of those colors or the other, but just some some excellent colors in modern right now. Red's a really strong color. Yeah, in I mean red just has everything. So you definitely want to be red, and then Lutri just pairs really well with blue cards. Uh, like the cantrips are just excellent. Having the ability to turn all of your cantrips into draw twos in the late game, I think, is what gives you the edge over a lot of the other mid rangey decks. Because you know, even though you only have access to one expressive iteration, I still feel like I am the one who ends up going over the top when I'm playing against Merktide. Just like generate more value with sure. all the value cards. Yeah. I mean, you start you start with an eighth card that you know doubles one of your spells, and it kind of scales with the size of the yeah, game. So that's I, eight I and that's nine. Just... It's great. It's so good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So so I ended up building this this Grixis deck, and I think initially the Grixis deck was like kind of fine, but as I was exploring more of the different cards, I realized that uh, there were some. Some elements of like Death Shadow of old that I had forgotten about that are actually really good, which are these delve threats. You know, like in all of the other iterations of Lutri that I've played, the one card that I've wanted to draw more than anything else has been Merktide Regent. I'm just like, please let me draw Merktide Regent so that I can win the game in any amount of reasonable time. <laughs> Otherwise, it's just not going to happen. Um, so you're not trying to just get value with Jace Vrin's prodigy for until your opponent gives up. Ooh, I just recently cut JVP and I'm really sad about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know it's 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 tragic. I'm disappointed, but it's got to go because I have to make room for these delve threats. And the delve threats I'm talking about are uh, Gurmag Angler and Tassiger. So that's two. And then the the most throwback Tombstalker. Oh god. I played that in standard. <laughs> Tombstalker's so good. It's just much worse Merktide Regent. It's it is a lot worse. <laughs> Harder to cast, smaller. All 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 that. But it turns out it's just kind of like exactly what this, you know, kind of deck is looking for. You really need to be able to kind of like in the late game play a threat and continue to hold up interaction. And a lot of these, like, you know, big mana spells that I had been playing before just couldn't really do that. Um, and, uh, you know, the games go long, and Murktide is just so good because, like, on, you know, turn four or whatever, or not turn four, like, much later than turn four, but you generally have four to five mana to work with. Um, you can still play your Murktide Regent to hold up some counterspell equivalent card and go about it so you know so I'm, I'm hoping that these delve threats are gonna kind of like be able to slot slot into that and the other thing that helps a lot with them i think are these surveillance um yeah you're just gonna be Definitely. kind of like you know incidentally putting more cards in your graveyard um and in these longer games i think we probably kind of miss that as it obviously yeah put a card in your graveyard is like good in murktide but murktide is a deck that runs like dragon's rage channeler and a full set of considers and like it and like baubles and stuff so it, it generally like has a pretty easy time of filling its graveyard 
when when you can only run one of each of these spells, then the advantage of having the surveil lands just always there is is a lot more magnified. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And the interesting thing about the surveil lands and the delve cards is like you you can't like use it as a lotus petal really because it's still a land that comes into play tapped. But if you're, you know, just kind of like doing it earlier in the game and you do end up bending something, uh, it, it, it like ends up working out. And another thing that I, I put a lot of thought into is trying to figure out how to use this deck to beat Yogmoth. I think that these kind of loot tree piles can be tuned to be really good against like a, a kind of narrow field, which is where we're at right now. So we've got like the three pillars uh, and two of the pillars I feel great about. I feel like any Cascade deck is going to have a terrible time against me. And then, you know, there's there's enough hate that you can pack for, for Amulet, where you're starting to feel pretty good. Plus, Amulet is, like, not playing Cavern of Souls anymore, interestingly. That helps a lot from kind of just, like, the the counter perspective. And I can kind of do the Murktide thing of, like, be a counterspell deck and have... Uh, permanents that are really hard for them to deal with, like Blood Moons and Magus and Ashiok or whatever. Ashiok plays a fun role in my sideboard where it comes in in one matchup, but also they can't beat it in that matchup, which is pretty nice. <laughs> and so, yeah, the, like the biggest the biggest challenge for me was figuring out the Yawgmoth matchup uh, because Yawgmoth is just really resilient. I'm I'm remembering back to when people thought that like Scam beat up on Yawgmoth like right after uh Agatha Soul Cauldron got printed, they didn't like realize that that just kind of like really did a 180 on the matchup. And I guess Fury was a factor as well, but man, I just was like pretty terrified of Yogmoth every time I played Scam, even with Fury. And I, yeah, so I think that the same kind of like factors are true. I think Yogmoth is really good at just, you know, fighting through a bunch of interactive spells, which is just really all I'm trying to do with this Lutri deck. So, you know, I'm, I'm really bending over backwards for this for this matchup. And uh, I'm hoping that these Delve Threats are going to help a lot. I was talking to some Yawgmoth players and they were like, yeah, we're really resilient to interaction, but if you just hit us in the face, then it can get really awkward. <laughs> so, yes. <laughs> you know, Murktide, Tombstalker, uh, you know, the the ground chump lock, the, the ground fatties aren't going to be as impressive, I don't think, but kind of like paired with some ability to like clean up the clutter i think i think it could work yeah dragon's rage channeler is always the one that like yeah starts giving them the business yeah yeah you gotta get in for three uh dothy voidwalker as well as a card that you can play that gives them the business they just Mm -hmm. kind of have to answer it at some point and they don't play a lot of answers i mean they play grist grist is the problem Um, yeah like the thing about yawgmoth if you're trying to play a reactive game against them is like yeah you can have interaction and insulation against their stuff but all they need to do is squeeze one thing through and whether that's a yogmoth onto the battlefield then you know the game basically ends right uh because you have all this interaction and then they're just up a million cards or now like you know grist in play is like a thing that you need to contain and then while you're trying to contain the grist like they just figure out a way to get a cauldron onto the battlefield and then cauldron in play is just so untenable if you're playing a fully reactive game plan it, it just will beat you yes yeah definitely um 
and you know i've kind of like forced myself to play a certain threshold of shatters <laughs> just because of cauldron <laughs> uh i kind of tricked myself into thinking that pithing needle would be fine against it but if you don't pithing needle it before it comes down and it just like right. tags a grist or whatever it's it's a, it's, it's impossible over. to pithing needle anything yeah. else yeah um so yeah, I, I I do need that like threshold of sh- of shatters to be able to like answer everything. And right now I kind of only have three. I'm on uh, cast into fire, brotherhood's end, and uh, Colgan's command, which kind of feels a little light. Um, but I also have like Snapcaster Mage, so I don't know. Mm-hmm. You you can you can try Snapcaster Mage though, not notoriously bad against Cauldron. Uh, yeah, that's true. That's, <laughs> it's tough to flash back a shatter against right. a cauldron. Yeah, you do have your. You still have your a cursed totem and a damping matrix in your sideboard. I yes, right. Yeah, I was about to mention those. Is like, yeah, damping matrix is definitely like the. I just need another cursed totem in this deck. Like, I just cannot win this matchup without without one. It's um, it's actually started seeing play in living end sideboards because you know you can't because you can't play curse totem in living end but you can play damping matrix yeah well that's actually what how i knew about the card gotcha. is <laughs> i you know i did not know that damping matrix was a thing until like a couple of weeks ago i think i was like playing a little bit of living end and looking at like just look looking through endless deck lists and one of them had uh uh damping matrix and i was like oh Oh, okay. You know, this is actually pretty good. <laughs> oh, you got a stew. Yeah. Right. And that, that effect is just really good right now, I think, in modern. Um, like, you know, not it. like Yarmoth is the obvious one, but also like scales and random Heliod decks that you might play against. Um, like, you know, th- these things are around and, and pretty big part of the meta. So it, do- it does really hurt trying to play one of those activated ability decks when Yogg is one of the top three decks and people are just like suiting up cursed totems and damage <laughs> right, matrixes on yeah. their own. Yeah. It's hard. Yeah. It sucks to get your, your off meta deck really just hated into the ground by cursed totem or similar. I, I guess those are kind of the specific choices that you made to sort of like address Yogg, but what specifically like, did you do during deck building because of this current metagame? Like what, what were the concessions that you made? Like, I got to be ready for amulet and I got to be ready for cascade decks. Like, are there like different choices that you made when constructing the deck this time around based on those things? Yeah, for sure. Um, I had already kind of figured out from, from looter decks in the, in the past, how to beat Mm -hmm. cascade decks. So I was kind of like already pretty comfortable there. Uh, like cascade the 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 hate for cascade is kind of self-evident you know you've got your your fluster storms and your spell pierces and your chalice of the void and your void mirror you know there's there's a bunch of stuff that you can have there also you know i I made sure to pack several sweepers for rhinos you know i've got hitsugu 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 oh god hitsugu consumes all (laughs) yeah the consumes all card (laughs) Uh, you know, you got your engineered explosives. So, and those cards are actually like very powerful in a couple of other matchups as well. One of which I was surprised by is uh, those cards are just great against amulet. If amulet doesn't have amulets in play, deck kind of sucks. So, <laughs> just like you know, being prepared to kill an amulet on site 
uh, is is very useful. I've talked a lot about Yawgmoth. That one's tough. That one's kind of what I've just been focusing on mainly uh, with my current iteration. I told myself that I could if if I could figure out how to beat Yawgmoth, um, I was locked for sure. And I think I'm getting close. Yeah, I, I think that the combination of like applying pressure, figuring out what kind of interaction is good, I think is really important. The, all of the Pithing Needle effects are out of the deck now. I went up to two for a minute. You know, I, I was at a Pithing Needle and a Sorcerer's Spyglass because uh, the thought was like, I'll just name all of the things that Yawgmoth plays, but it just doesn't work out. <laughs> but but you yeah you just can't you just can't do play more than two cards. <laughs> <laughs> I only have two cards. The threats that I'm playing are very tuned towards having to be effective against Yawgmoth. You really just can't afford to like I play Ragavan just because it's busted, but like all of my other threats are in some way good against what Yawgmoth is trying to do. Um, sure. you know most like a lot of things fly. You know I've got uh Dragon's Rage Channeler. You know the Murktide, the Tombstalker, Shieldred is an excellent threat against uh against them. Yeah, I, I feel like Tombstalker would not have found its way into the deck except that specifically you just like you just have to have another the bad land for flyers yeah, yeah. <laughs> the the mid-range decks just kind of work themselves out i feel like i just like play such a high density of great cards that like scam and murktide can't really keep up you know just like all the cards in my deck are just good good cards you know um and a lot of them are two for ones and i get lutri as an extra card and it, it gives me another card so just like it, it, if you're trying to just like one for one me you're gonna have a bad time although i will say that omnath has always been a scary one and i'm pretty grateful that omnath is not very popular right now i remember like i played in like a tournament in dallas with lutri like like a, a couple years ago now maybe when omnath was at at its peak and I could just never beat Omnath. It just like wasn't gonna happen. <laughs> yeah, uh, kind of sad. So nobody register Omnath for this tournament, and I'll be very happy. Is that like a Renin Six issue or like a what's the or just an everything? Just getting an everything. Issue? Like all of their cards are two for ones, and I'm planning. Yeah. I'm trying to play some two for ones and some one for ones. You know, but like just every card that they play is just brutally strong and good. I guess this is the deck where, like, Omnath holding up Veil of Summer is just like, uh, like, oh, I guess you, you got me. Yeah, <laughs> like, that's that's yeah. going to be it. Right. But, you know, thankfully, it's that's now a fringe deck. The other deck that I could just never be would be Burn. Um, I'm not even going to try to beat Burn. I, I have I have tried to beat Burn with like the, the Jeskai version. I think that you can kind of get close to beating Burn. Um, your mana is a lot better in Jeskai. You don't have to shock yourself all the time. But with the current deck that I'm playing, the mana is not nearly as good. So I just have, I'm just going to concede and burn. It's fine. And, you know, maybe I can beat it. I've got counter spells. I've got Gourmet Angler and, and stuff. So put one collective brutality in your sideboard and hope to draw it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. No. Why not? I don't think that'll be. I, I if I were gonna I do anything, so. it would probably be like a, a claim, uh, cling, a cling, cling to dust. Sure. Um, because what you hit creatures and 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 gain three or something. Um, yes. Yeah, that is what it does. Yeah. 
So there will be creatures around. I could gain three. Might be fine. Um, but yeah, so the most interesting deck building challenge for me, though, has been making all of these Delve Threats. Like, I, I'm playing four Delve cards now. Uh, and I, I actually think that I need to cut Logic Knot. I think Logic Knot is actually just going to be a liability when I'm trying to play four Delve creatures. Sure. Yeah, especially if you're playing Tomestalker. Yeah, Tomestalker is greedy on, on the mana for sure. It might end up being a three mana play a lot of the time. And that's also fine. Yeah, I think that Logic Knot is going to have to turn into like a mana leak, which is good for a lot of reasons, actually. Like the I'm playing a counterspell and it's kind of the hardest card to cast in the deck. Um, <laughs> like this Grixis mana base is trying to play one of every pip. Um, not like the, the Jeskai deck could play Cryptic Command because just you just said, all right, every land is blue. And the other the other colors are just kind of incidental, but um, you know now I'm playing Thoughtseize and Inquisition and uh, a bunch of the red one drops as well, and yeah, yeah, you yeah. just kind of figured out your one mana column is like almost evenly split between your three colors, so you kind of just gotta yeah. go with it. Right. Currently debating whether or not a Blood Crypt is worth it in this deck. Currently, I have mm-hmm. none Blood Crypt, but um, <laughs> probably will stay that way. I haven't really found a scenario where I wanted it. A big mana big question for me right now is like, you know, I'm throwing in these rail lands kind of in the blind. I haven't tested it a bunch, but I am getting ready to. And in order to put them in, I cut the Grixis Triumph. Mm-hmm. And I really like the Grixis Triumph. So I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see if I. I might end up going to like one Grixis Triumph, one Surveil Land, potentially. But I really want two Surveil Lands. Um, but I don't know. That's just going to be a by feel over the next couple of days kind of deal. Yeah. Gotcha. I do want to talk about some of these cards that have really stood out to me as very powerful that I did not expect. I think I mentioned Zvilun earlier. Zvilun is mm-hmm. an amazing magic card. It's so good. It's got it's got some yeah. flavor text on it. It says some stuff about merfolk. <laughs> that doesn't matter. <laughs> it's a three four that draws a card when it attacks. Yeah, it's just a three four that draws a card when it attacks. It's really good. Turns out it's very um, nice when paired with like thoughts. You know, if you ever have a thought seize hand with it, it's like really good. To, yeah, it's violent. The new cards wife. and then yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's better than <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's really good. I I. You know, I was like, maybe I'll try this out. And then I played it for the first time and it just won me the game on its own. Not close. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah. Zvilun plus cheap interaction is just this just where I want to be. This has been my entire experience in standard playing with Preacher of the Schism. Like, I just kind of don't know that I can play a non Preacher of the Schism deck after running that card so much. Just three mana, two, four death touch that keeps like giving you value on every attack is just unreal, especially when combined with just cheap interaction, hand disruption and stuff. And it, it just takes games over. And I, 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 I totally get what you're saying. Yeah, no, for sure. So that was like, a you know, I had a couple of people on Twitter ask me like, hey, why are you playing this card? And and I had to say, because it's broken. It's just so good. <laughs> I, I want more of it. Um, if you if you want more of it, you may want to try Preacher of the Schism, honestly. Preacher of the Schism. 
I don't know if Preacher has the modern cachet because of fetch lands and shocks with his mana base. He's probably never going to be the, the highest life total player. Well, yeah, maybe not. In which case, it's like a pretty bad card. Yeah. yeah. So I have to have the highest life total for it to draw a card? You have to have, yes, the highest life total. Or be tied. Or be tied. Being tied is where it's really at because <laughs> then you get both triggers. Ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Maybe... Yeah, that might not work super well. I'm. It might be good in some matchups. I don't know. I'll I'll put it in my back pocket. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, it is. That is exactly the kind of effect that I want more of, for sure. The other card that I was not expecting to be really impressed by, but was just blown away by, is uh, Kess. Kess, dissident mage. Dissident mage. Thank you, Lee. All of the all of our EDH fans are gonna know what Kess does. Uh, I did not before reading this card for the first time about a week or so ago. It's a legendary three four flyer for four one in Grixis. During each of your turns, you can cast an instant or sorcery spell from your graveyard. Uh, and if you cast it this way, it's exiled. So it's just Snapcaster every turn. It turns out that's pretty good in this style of deck where I'm like trying to you know transfer all of my one for ones into a win somehow and Kess is actually going to make the cut over jace the mind sculptor um jace is just yeah not quite gonna cut it jace just like dies jace is washed jace is washed yeah uh jace was in there for a while but ended up getting cut eventually i there's just too many spots where i just like couldn't afford to play my jace because it would just die right away and like the one brainstorm wasn't enough or the one bounce wasn't enough uh there's just like too much going on for for jace to be good Kess, on the other hand you like you can just jam it on four mana and say kill it or you lose and you know in these like really late grindy games often they're using their removal spells on other things and they just like don't have one or whatever um and you just untap and cast expressive iteration for the second time and and, and then you win the game um, yeah that, that is sick cast past the turn with a counter spell in your graveyard is pretty sounds pretty unreal to me i'm i'm into that well if you can get to that game state unfortunately you can only cast these spells oh on your, your own turns turn. oh yeah. okay yeah yeah well still it's not like leer where you can do whatever you want whenever well you, you want. can't counter spells with leer yeah you can certainly try. <laughs> well, you can you can three mana remand spells with Lear. That was always you could good. remand spells. <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah, Kess was recommended by somebody on Twitter. I think it was I think it was Duncan. Oh, Ryan. Um, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. His his tweet was just Kess, and and I was like, what is that card? And I looked it up, and I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, we'll do that. <laughs> and then I played it, and then it turns out it's uh, really good. So there you go. Um, and it also has flying, so text for the Yawgmoth matchup. Exactly. Yeah, things need to be able to beat down against Yawgmoth. Their <laughs> life total is a very valuable resource. And if you can just plink at it. Also, the other thing that you really have going for you in the Yawgmoth matchup is just Bolt, Lutri, Bolt. <laughs> yeah. Just like sometimes they get low and then you can get them. It's very and, nice. And like, yeah, their life total is so relevant. Like there people have asked me about my living end lists lately that, you know, Fury isn't around anymore, but I just always have four Oliphant 
in the list over like more generous ends. And it's just because you bring back, you get in one Oliphant attack in against Yawgmoth and they almost can never win. So just attacking that life total is so key. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, definitely why Shieldred kind of came back in. I ended up having Shieldred because it was a good black card and then I cut it because it was four mana. Uh, but it's back now. It's just too important against Yawgmoth. Um, sure. He might end up landing in the sideboard. I'm not sure, but it'll be in the 75 somewhere. Um, it's really good against Scam, too, when you trade off cards. It's like one of the yeah. the best things to just land after you all have no resources left. Yeah, and it's another 4-5 against Rhinos, which is always good. Yeah. Um, I think that my Rhinos matchup after this latest iteration got a lot better uh, because I'm playing Gurmag Angler and Tassiger and Shieldred. <laughs> I'm just gonna yeah. have a bunch of <laughs> yeah, bigger creatures unintended. than them. That that yeah, that is really nice. Yeah, so if they are able to resolve some rhinos, which is hard to do against me, um, I'm probably gonna have something for it. So that would be nice. Yeah, but you know, a, a lot of cards have kind of gone in and out, and that's just been a lot of fun. I don't know. I uh, I've got a big list of consideration cards. Currently, I have Void Mirror out at the moment because I think I don't really need the help against the these Cascade decks, uh, but I'm considering putting them back in. Uh, one card that I am excited to try, which I haven't tried yet, is Thing in the Ice as yeah. a Yawgmoth card. Hmm. All right. I'm excited to try it. Oh, I guess I'll put I'll put it that way. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. <laughs> I, when you're playing a control deck against Yawgmoth, you really have yeah, to be. You got to yeah, figure something out. Hail Marys. You got to, you got to reach. Yeah, I mean, I guess anytime you do flip it and attack, you you are probably just going to win that game because that seven damage is so enormous. Right. Yeah, the trick is mostly going to be. Yeah. It. <laughs> yeah. That that's the question mark that I have, I guess. Well, right, and it's the question mark I have as well. Um, I'm gonna try it. Um, I think the the play pattern that i have in my mind is maybe it's too magical christmas land but it's just you know it's happened a lot with thing in the ice in my experience in previous thing in the ice uh matchups or you know gameplay where you're able to just kind of like get the first three counters off of it eventually and then you have an instant in your hand and that's just kind of like what the game becomes about and against yogmoth you know, I feel like that play pattern of, you know, trigger it three times, have an instant up past the turn, you know, end step, bounce all your stuff, hit you, pass the turn again. You know, that that has me intrigued. Uh, again, you know, I'm, I'm really reaching for some some help in this matchup. So it, it, it might be it might be for that reason. But uh, but yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. See. Don't let me stop you from from experimenting for sure. <laughs> I, I know you need you need all the help you can get. Yeah. Um. Yeah. No, but it's been fun. It's uh, you know, I it it's starting to feel more and more like a shadow deck. I'm not playing shadows in it yet, but I could. I don't know. Maybe we'll find it. Yeah, it's tough because you have shadow when you have shadow in your deck, then 
your fetching always has shadow in mind, which when you have like four shadows and two Scourge of the Skyclaves, it's like, yeah, this is a sacrifice I'm willing to make every game. When you just have one in your deck that you might draw at some point, that's that's a rough cost. Yeah, no, that's fair for sure. It's probably too bad to play. Um, and like the ground beaters are just right. kind of like not it sometimes. Um, so I don't know. We'll see. I'm so yeah. yeah I, I'm I recently... looking looking through for your list that had Mercurial Spell Dancer in it at one point. That that's a that was a cute one. That, that oh yeah, just no way. It, <laughs> that, that's uh, effective. I wanted it to be good so bad. And Me honestly, too. the reason it was in there is because uh, of that cube that w- we played. <laughs> Yeah, um, <laughs> I had a mercurial spell dancer, and it was just so phenomenal. I <laughs> fell in love with it, so I was like, "This is going in my next loser deck," and it did. It went into the next loser deck. Um, it never triggered. It's sad. It's just uh, modern's yeah. a little quicker than that. Yeah, standard is a little. I tried it in standard and was like, "Oh, I this will never trigger, huh?" And so <laughs> after that. I was a little bummed out. I, I I do really like the card, but tough to make it work. Yeah, I think I, I went a little too deep on like just like searching for any card that was like a creature that generated value. Um, I was like on a Svalun high of like Svalun's so busted. I want more of this. And yeah, I uh, I was also playing the the werewolf looter for a little bit. Um, and it flips into just a on hit draw card suspicious suspicious yeah Yeah, sussy stowaway uh and that card was actually like not bad i think it was in my 5-0 earlier this week but um yeah no it it also did not make the cut unfortunately um but yeah i don't know that's uh that's my lutri spiel i don't know there's a lot more to talk about about it but it's just kind of like individual card choices at that point well are you excited to play it at the rc very excited and you know why is because uh the first time and then every subsequent time i hand my deck list to my opponent is just going to be the highlight of of my (laughs) (sighs) yeah open deck list uh you've got like two minutes to look at this you gotta parse this thing yeah right i'm gonna memorize your deck list in 30 seconds because i've seen it before (laughs) uh but here you go Yeah, hope, this. hope you already follow me on Twitter so you have a head start on, on what, what's going on here. Yeah, I hope you listened to the Grindcast. Uh, talked about a lot of my card choices. Um, I mean, that is funny, but you really only have to memorize the the reactive cards that you care about. Yeah, but there's so many of them. But there's like a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really not that hard. Like, it, I I could I could take this challenge. Okay. Yeah. I will, I'm hoping that a lot of people are going to be like you, Lee, and 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 welcome the challenge, um, for sure. But I'm I'm also hoping that I get a lot of equity out of like that uncertainty that they're going to experience in the middle of the game, where they're like, "Does he have a Tishana's Tidebinder in his deck or not? I can't remember. I cannot remember. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to get blown up by this card in the spot." Was it? Did I see that? Did I? I don't know. I don't know. I'm I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a great time. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, so I'm really. Yeah, I I'm excited about these stealth threats. I'm excited to get about the Grixis build. Um, I think that the 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 biggest thing that happened over my most recent like 
chiseling away at this decklist is how the curve has just really lowered. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that's just a good deck building sign. I used to play just like seven three drops and now I'm down to like two and two four drops. Um, Rhinos players in shambles. Yeah, oh yeah. I mean, honestly, <laughs> you just got to play a low curve. Yep. I'm just trying to follow good deck building philosophy, play a bunch of one mana interactive spells. Even the situational ones are just insane. Spell Snare, uh, Stern Scolding, Spell Pierce, Fluster Storm. Just in modern right now, these cards are all just phenomenal. Because um, they'll have a target, and whenever they have a target, you just gain so much forbidden word tempo. We, I don't think we've ever made a big deal about using the word tempo on the podcast. Yeah, we're, we're responsible about it. about it here. <laughs> well, we were responsible until I knew it was forbidden. <laughs> now I'm going to be completely irresponsible with it. Um, but yeah, so yeah, super, super excited. Yeah. Uh, so headed out to Denver in a couple of days. I will not be at Denver, but I will certainly be watching whatever coverage there there is of the event and I, i'm excited to see i i hope that modern develops a little bit past you know where it's been kind of stalling out a little bit over the past several weeks yeah um yeah i think that you know i i think that rhinos is going to be the best deck until something else happens um i'm a little sad about that rhinos is a lame best deck <laughs> i I cannot disagree. Yeah. But if you want to beat up on rhinos, just play Lutri. It's fine. Yeah, just play Lutri. There you go. It's funny, you know, one of our, like, things, one of our, like, I, I don't know, something that we keep coming back to is, like, card acquisition problems in Standard and stuff. And it's so funny looking at, like, this singleton modern deck that is, like, a bunch of, like, random cards things that haven't really seen play in years and stuff <laughs> and then you go through it and you're like i think i own a copy of each of these cards i could probably build this deck <laughs> yes well i'm very grateful that lee owned just about one copy of every card <laughs> <laughs> i've had to scramble for some stuff but uh lee has helped me out with most of it so thank you lee i've got a yeah a snapcaster mage and a cast into fire cast into the fire around here yeah exactly there you go yeah no it uh and th th the stars have aligned really truly because when i i went on a whim to a pre-release last friday and in it and lee was there i opened a uh blue red surveil land and a blue black surveil land <laughs> and that's just ideal that's just all i'm gonna need <laughs> and they were the good ones they were like the the the, the cool ones I, you know, I was just uh, like, I was just thinking, you know, you had said that you had cut your pithing needles because they weren't very good against Yogg. They weren't very effective against Yogg. And I, I was like kind of going back to that and thinking about that and thinking like, how many, like, isn't the one ring pretty good if they stick it? Again? But there's no one ring deck really in, in the top half of modern right now. Just amulet. Yeah, yeah there's it's amulet. just amulet. And it's that's only a one ring deck in like a very specific way where if you're like fighting the amulet stuff well enough 
then it, it doesn't always matter. So, you know, you're not fighting a card advantage, pure card advantage game against the ring at any point, yeah. really. You're you're trying, they're using it to try to break out of your, like, lock of their, whatever they're doing. Yeah, I played several games where my opponent was able to land the one ring, but then I was just able to counter everything else, and then they died to the one ring. So, <laughs> yeah. <that's great. laughs> I have been talking with Chris, uh, just playing, like, weekly moderns and stuff like that. And he has been playing more fun decks because he owns rhinos and is very tired of it, uh, as as it happens. It's just like a recurring mm-hmm. thing. And one of the problems he's come to, we've come to, because I land out a lot of cards, is the one ring is like entirely subsidizing the fun decks and also amulet. Mm. <laughs> it's just like amulet and a pile of like funky yeah decks that don't really work except for when you like run out of stuff you just slam the ring and then try to put something back together again yeah there you go yeah like the the sahili deck that did really well at the brazilian rc mm-hmm. it's a wondering deck and, it's also kind of cute and that's why i think that if you're gonna play an assault loam deck i don't think i would recommend the creativity ones i think the ring versions are just significantly better because it is a that's another fun deck that's held that together by exactly the ring. <laughs> it's like a kind of it's a fun deck with some like kind of bad cards that you're just like trying to put something together with put the one ring in there don't play like other weird cards just like put four one rings in there to, to patch to, to just sort of plaster over the holes with and i, I think that'll serve you yeah. better yeah you can't play the one ring in Lutri because it turns out you actually do need a second copy of the one ring to save yourself from dying yeah, to the first yeah. one. Honestly, huge flavor fail for, for the one ring is that it's, it's just not, not playable ideal. on its own. And I, I'm not even playing... Well, no, that's that's a flavor win. Yeah. It's a flavor fail that you're allowed to play for. <laughs> well, yeah, that's true. Uh, the, yeah, the one ring flavor win for being balanced on its own and, and not, not busted in multiples. Right, we're just operating in an alternate universe of the Lord of the Rings, where there's like a bunch of One Rings running around, and it's a real problem for everybody. <laughs> it probably would be, yeah. Jeez, can't find anyone. <laughs> yeah. Gotta go hop down to the Nazgul Detection Agency to get missing persons report. Ooh, do they all wear funny hats? They better. Yeah, great. <laughs> Collins, I don't know if you noticed this, uh, but the thing that they did in MKM to to denote detectives is that every single detective has a funny hat, including the devil detectives, the archon detectives, and like whatever whatever race that you are, whatever d- doesn't matter. If you're a detective, you have to wear a funny hat, and I don't know if I like hate it or love it, but the. The, especially like the one devil that's just not wearing any clothes at all except for a detective cap is I, I, I it's good right i think it's a really good decision i am no, for funny it's hats official. right more funny hats uh, that's my that's the official position of the mtg grindcast <laughs> i'll sign on well cool i don't think we have anything else important to talk about since now we're just on the subject of We've reached the funny hats stage of the podcast, and that means yep. we're out of things. To <laughs> time talk to about. sign off. <laughs> yeah, time to wrap it up. Cool. Well, Collins, thank you very much. It is always a joy to have you here. Yay. 
Uh, if you want to lend us some support, head over to patreon.com slash mtggrindcast. We've got, we had a bunch of people signing up recently. I sent out a bunch of stuff the other day. If you have signed up in the past couple of weeks, I probably haven't sent your stuff out yet just because of like how Patreon handles like setting up when benefits are due and whatnot but when, when they're due i will i will send them out and you will get your things shortly i do have our uh new tokens they did come in and i have started packaging them up to send them out so these uh pixel treasure tokens they're really really cute i'm super into them and uh they'll be in your mailbox soon uh but yeah th that's it for us Follow Collins at Collins Mullen on Twitter and yay. Anything else? Peace. No, I'm good. Bye. Have a great week. <laughs> <laughs>